Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. My uh, my co-host, Brad Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. He's back from his horrific, I don't know, what do we say, Brad, about last week? I don't know what we say about that. Well, I think it was uh, a touch of food poisoning, actually. So <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, it just kind of happened all at an inappropriate time, put it that way. Um, about a half hour, hour before, it got really ugly. <laughs> well, that's all. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great mental picture to start off this week. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, we uh, yeah, we had everything all set to go. From uh, it was last week's episode with Steve Hiding. If you haven't checked it out, do so. It's a uh, it's a good early season episode. I had to run the show solo because I get a text. I don't know what it was like. Like Brad said, like a half an hour hour before the show, he's like, "Yeah, I don't think this is gonna work real <laughs> well." So I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. I'll uh, I'll handle it for the week." So I took care of it last week. We we put out episodes like we normally do, and it's uh it's good to have you back again this week, Brad. All right, man. Well, I appreciate being here, and uh, sorry I missed last week. <laughs> I think it's funny that people were texting you, making sure that everything was all right with you. Well, I think Steve, I haven't re-listened to it yet, but uh, I believe uh, Steve mentioned something that he wished me the best or something like that. <laughs> and uh, that threw a few people, obviously. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit this week, you know, make give, give you a hard time, I guess. You know, don't worry, Brad, I'll, I'll take care of it. I I had to do everything last week for the podcast, but that's okay. You know, tough load to hold to. That's <laughs> a tough load, but I'll handle it. I'm a big boy. Well, you did good. <laughs> From what I hear, everybody was still happy. So. Yeah, they were just being nice. That's all. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, getting back on track this week, we got uh, we got a guest, Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. Unfortunately, it's uh, we're running we're running under the gun again this week, which we you know it's pretty typical for this time of year. Mm-hmm. Our episode's going to be a tad shorter than it usually was, but uh, it'll be all right. Steve's always going to bring something to the table as far as fishing, and uh, hopefully we can we can get. Uh, I don't know, we'll talk a little bit about pressure, how to how to handle some pressure, and we'll talk a little bit about early season muskies because, well, it's early season, so um, that's kind of what we talk about in early season. It's uh, I, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys aren't aren't bored and you know aren't aren't over the topic, but we're trying to reach out a little bit to guys because I mean that's we'd like to bring you timely information, and unfortunately, well, that's the time. So we're uh, we're trying to you know go around a little bit. Uh, my my mission to Brad was to dig up somebody from Minnesota that we can have real soon so we could talk about early season Minnesota muskies. We did some southern Wisconsin. We got Steve talking about the north. We got another week or so or, you know, two weeks before the north opens. After this episode comes out, we may have one more guest talking about the north. We'll see. And I want to get somebody on from Minnesota, Brad, so we got to figure that one out yet too so we can talk about early season Minnesota muskies because I don't want our Minnesota muskie listeners to uh, to feel left out. No, absolutely. You know, our season's still a few weeks away, and um, it all happened in a timely fashion. It's just a matter of time here. So, if you're looking to get geared up for your next musky fishing adventure, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. That's uh, that's the affiliation. That's how we get paid off this podcast or anything off this podcast. Is that I think currently we're making about twelve cents per day. Uh, maybe yeah, probably per day for. Uh, for podcasting it's really good it's a really good uh adventure everybody should get involved in this and brad i'll let you talk a little bit about musky mayhem tackle yeah we're just uh hard at it kind of uh filling stores as fast as they order and um you can check us out on muskymayhemtackle.com 
or you can check us out on Facebook as well as Instagram. And love to hear from you guys. If you're catching some fish on our product, we'd love to see some pictures. And we appreciate everybody's business. We uh, we are starting to see some fish pictures coming in. So hopefully Carrie gets them out there on social media so we can share them with some of the different listeners as well. Yeah, we've uh, we've been seeing a few too. Looks like guys in the, you know, it's you know early season yet. It looks like guys have been doing pretty well early season in some cases. I don't know. I've also heard some guys struggling too, but it seems like we've seen a lot of pictures. Guys are doing well, and I shouldn't I shouldn't say guys. When I say guys, I mean guys and gals. We have lots of gals that go out musky fishing too. So it's not just a it's not just a, a guy sport. But anyways, um, trying to be a little PC there. Uh, Brad, it's been, uh, it's, like I said, it sounds like it's, uh, been a good start. I know of people that have had, you know, many multiple fish days already. And, um, uh, you know, let's just hope that when things get rolling in the North, uh, as we talked about last week with Steve hiding, the, uh, spawn is over and then the season can go on like we hope it does, because it seems like in seasons where the fish are done over spawned, like they should, by the time the season starts, it seems like it sets up for more success and it's not a guarantee, but definitely seems like it does yeah definitely i think uh, a nice even keeled warm-up period definitely seems to be part of that equation as well i know the last three years here or so here in minnesota anyway and and your weather's pretty similar as well but uh you know we have these really massive warm-ups and then boom the bottom would fall out you know and so as we go through may here you know we're basically halfway through um as long as it just continually just kind of stays where it's at and slowly, slowly warms up, I think we're going to be set up for a really good season. That's for sure. I'm anxious to see. I just hope we have some nice weather in the next two weeks to get this up. I want to, I want to blade bite an opening weekend because I want to, uh, I want to throw the detonator. There's a, yeah. you, you keep talking about it, how awesome it is. And I, I want to just play around with it a little bit and see what it's all about because, um, you know, I, I've been listening and listening and listening and, you know, I'm essentially a weekend warrior musky angler, like many of our listeners, and uh, taking notes, you know. And everybody likes to talk about small early season, but Brad, you like to talk about big early season. I've had a few other guys talking about big early season, so I want to try to get that mixed bag going for opening weekend. I want to I want to play around with the detonator. Don't worry, I'm not going to shy too far away from some of the smaller stuff also, but... I'm going to, I'm going to play with this. You got, you got the hype train going on this one. I want to make sure that I want to see what this is all about, Brad. (laughs) Well, it's pretty incredible. And I, I just really, truly believe, you know, if you set yourself up to look different and throw a different bait than what everybody else is doing, guess what? You're going to probably have different, uh, different results. And so, you know, there's a couple different ways to look at this and I I don't want to give away one thing that I was told by a future guest, but, uh, he was talking about this with me on, on how and why I throw larger baits. And I, I'd never considered it the way he considered it, but basically he goes, Brad, it's because you're a purist. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? I would rather catch a big fish or nothing. And, uh, I mean that, that goes to say for me, but it doesn't mean that that's what everybody wants either. So, some of it's that, but I think a lot of times it's more so, it's a little deeper than that, Jeff. I, I really believe that these big fish are looking for a quick, big meal where they're not exerting energy after three or four small perch. They're looking for one big giant sucker or something like that, you know, something to think about. So, 
you definitely want to put that in part of the equation. I think that it's just been riddled for many, many years. Go small in the spring. Go small in the spring. And that's what everybody's believing and thinking. And you can set yourself apart from the rest of the crowd just primarily by going big. Definitely something to consider. Yeah, I won't disagree. I'm in that small small to start the season thing out crowd, you know, fairly often. And I'm not going to... So I'm not going to dive in head, head first into the big bait thing, but I'm definitely going to play around with it a little bit and uh, and see what happens. Brad, you talked about you being a purist and wanting the biggest fish. I I would say there's definitely those guys, but I'm I'm thinking that percentage is maybe like 20% of the muskie anglers. I bet you 80% just want to catch a muskie. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think it's part of where you end up in your career of muskie fishing, right? I mean it gets to a point where I, I don't know, I, I guess you could compare it to like whitetail deer hunting. You know what I mean? Okay. Your first buck is a little fork horn and next year I really want to get, you know, a six or an eight pointer. And then the next year you want to tempt me. And I think it's some of that Jeff, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating on what people are thinking, but, uh, I just, I always am looking for a different little key or a secret piece of that puzzle. Like we always talk about, that makes you different than the rest of the people out there. And generally speaking, that'll help you pay off on catching more fish. So that's our, uh, that's our musky mayhem tackle, uh, infomercial today. If you're looking for a, uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a, a, a 13, 10 detonator, go check out team outdoors.com or musky mayhem.com to get your detonator. I know I'm going to have to do some shopping here in the next couple weeks around the shop and, uh, and load up on a couple baits. And that's definitely one of them. There'll be a few other ones that I'll, uh, I'll have in the, you know, for the new season. So if you're looking to gear up, check out those two places. And once again, we always want to thank our listeners. We do it every single week or we try to, we, uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in weekly. I know that last week was probably like between the Wednesday and the Thursday release. I think that was probably our highest two day total for downloads that we had. Uh, Wednesday was just almost a record and Thursday was our best Thursday we ever had. So obviously if people like what we we have bringing to the table at least it appears they do or they just think we're stupid and they want to listen every week and see what stupid stuff we say that could be a possibility as well but <laughs> just want to thank Hopefully our listeners it's not that Jeff. <laughs> i mean i'd like to think that it's not because i mean for the most part it's not so much me and you like i i mean i had seen a comment somewhere i don't remember where it was on a podcast something and they said let, you know let your guests talk and i'd like to think that we do that because for the most part you know, we've talked about this multiple times. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's definitely about what the guests have. People don't tune in weekly. I don't think necessarily to hear what I have to say. They probably tune in more to have to hear what you have to say, Brad. But uh, you know, definitely they want to hear. They want to hear what our guests have to say because we're trying to get reach guests that are all over. I know recently we've kind of repeated. We had definitely have a list of new guests that we uh, that we want to get on. But um, we're getting to it. And, and unfortunately, with a new guest, I need to do a little bit more work. And let's, to be honest with you, I just haven't had time to do, do the work. So maybe that's why we've been repeating guests. Yeah, well, I mean, all of our guests have been very rele- relevant. So, I mean, you got that too, Jeff. Um, it's always good to get new people and listen to new stuff. And, and we have a few of those up our sleeve, that's for sure. So here sometime shortly, we will probably get into that whole mix as well. Yep, for sure. But anyways, once again, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll have a new episode out next Wednesday, and now we're going to go dial up a conversation with Steve Jensen with Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service out of northern Wisconsin.
All right, our guest today is Steve Jensen with Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. Steve's a good friend of mine, a TRO, and you may have seen him in a couple of YouTube videos. Heck, he might even have been in a YouTube video recently that he probably doesn't even remember filming. It was that long ago that I've had that video <laughs> hanging out around. Uh, yesterday, I think we put out a new video. Today is Monday, and we're, uh, I don't know, I think it's like the 10th of May for anybody that cares. Steve, uh, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I know guide season is just around the corner, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, I guess. We didn't really we didn't really rehearse or even really go over a real good outline, so hopefully we can kind of uh, put something together on the fly and, and give the guys some information, or girls, some information on how to catch a few more muskies. So it's great to have you on yeah. again, Steve. Yeah, I appreciate it. Shouldn't be a problem. You know me. I love talking musky. Uh, season's just getting ramped up here. We're not musky fishing yet. I got a couple weeks before I can do that, but uh, be fishing every day pretty much uh, prior to musky fishing, uh, doing some walleye and smallmouth trips and, and some other stuff as well. Absolutely. So have you been on the water? What's the story with the spawn up there in northern Wisconsin? Are they, are, are they going to be done before season opens up or are we going to be? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we're we're low to mid fifties most lakes right now, so I would say fish are probably just kicking into it. Um, I personally haven't run into muskies incidentally yet, um, but I'm sure it's happening. And like I say, we've got uh, I think three more weeks before opener, and uh, looking like some warmer weather. So I'm assuming everything should be done this year. Uh, you know, probably a, a week or two before opener um, on most lakes. Obviously, you know, some of the bigger lakes, who knows, but uh, I would say for the most part, it will be. And on the guide front, what's the story if people want to get in touch with you to book a trip? They can. Go to my website at fishhunts.com. You can check me out on Facebook. It's Steve Jensen with a G or Fish Hunts Guide Service. And uh, you can also call myself 715-558-3709. And as I mentioned before, if you want to see Steve in action, check out our YouTube channel. He's pretty much like... I would say the uh, star of the show, I'd say. Right, Steve? Uh, I've done a few episodes for you, that's for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get some good stuff this summer as well. I certainly hope so. It'd be nice if we yeah. could uh, break a 50 on film. We haven't done that yet. Well, we did. Yeah. We got right to 50 with yours, but we want that. I want that like 52 this year. I'm going to put a little pressure on you. 52-inch well, northern Wisconsin muskie, so good luck. All right, we can do that. You know, I take you places that have them. Uh, you know, it would be nice is if you contribute just a little bit to the effort. You know, <laughs> anytime you want to start catching some of those fish, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I put a couple 30s in the net last year on film, so we it was yeah, solid. You're, you're solid. You're, you're working your way up. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, let's talk a little bit about northern Wisconsin. I know that uh, sometimes, you know, it gets a little bit of, I'd say it gets a little rough publicity sometimes as far as like catch rates. What's, what, what do you see up there in Northern Wisconsin? I know it's maybe not the same as like the Madison chain. Cause like I said, I've said in multiple podcasts, that's probably one of the best places in the state for numbers and size. I know you guys don't quite get the stocking that they do in the South. So why don't you talk a little bit about the stocking efforts up there for in general to start with? Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously musky fishing here in Hayward is, is good and great. It's ever-changing, that's for sure. Uh, we have some great year classes coming up in some of our traditionally tougher lakes where we were seeing lower populations. We did some pulse stockings all oh, about 10 years ago, 8, 10 years ago, and we're starting to see a lot of those fish showing up, kind of rejuvenating some of the lakes that were traditionally tougher and had lower numbers. Some of our action lakes are maybe down in action a little bit. We're getting a lot of pressure, I think, just like everywhere. Um, I don't think our lakes handle them quite as well as some of those lakes in southern Wisconsin as far as dealing with lots of people fishing every day. 
But in general, it's, it's good. Um, we're generally every other year on most of our bodies of water where a lot of those lakes down south get stocked every year and generally at a higher rate. Of course, last year the DNR didn't do any stocking anywhere. So if musky clubs didn't do any stocking, which our musky zinc did not, um, you have a gap there. So seen a little bit of that kind of thing going on. Uh, but in general, we're catching just as many, just as nice. Um, just some days you got to work a little bit harder for them. Didn't we hear, though, that some of those bodies of water ended up getting some stocking? Um, not really in my region. My musky zinc didn't, and, and the DNR didn't here. So depending on where you're at, so I know some clubs did do some stocking, just not right, right here in my local area. So one thing I got to ask then, Steve, is, you know, I know that some of the size limits on some of your bodies of water in your neck of the woods there have changed and they've increased those, those, uh, minimum length limits for harvest or whatever. But, uh, has that made a big change for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that trend has been great. Um, and it, continuing to do such, uh, we have several lakes that are 50 inch minimum here now, um, basically trophy waters. And some of those lakes have been in that uh, regulation for as long as 10 to 15 years. So we're starting to really see the results of that. We do have some large fish in a lot of these lakes. Uh, doesn't make them any easier to catch, obviously, as they get older and bigger, but they are definitely present. And we're probably seeing more 50-inch plus fish in the region than in years past. Um, some of the years, it's been really good. In fact, some fish up to all that low 50-pound, upper 40-pound range, you know, some really, really big ones. So um, that's a great trend, um, definitely going on right now. So hopefully that'll continue. Uh, obviously, musky fishing is always challenging, so you're always trying to figure out how to stay ahead of the game. That, that, that's the hardest trick around here. Well, let's talk about staying ahead of the game. Let's start, talk early season starting, staying ahead of the game. What's your uh, kind of, what's your game plan for guys starting out in the, in the north? I know in the next few weeks, this is probably going to be you know, beaten kind of heavily because this is we, we try to give you timely information on the podcast, and so unfortunately, this is early season, so we'll probably try to get somebody from Minnesota to talk about early season Minnesota muskies, but in this instance, sure. what's going on in northern Wisconsin? What's going to help uh, fool a couple muskies on opening weekend? Well, typically, you know me, I love flowing water, and I love the dark water, and I really love those types of bodies of water early in the season. Uh, here in my region, we have a tremendous variety of water from crystal clear, see the bottom in 20 feet, to dark and tannic, to where you can barely see six inches. So, a um, huge variety of water colors. Uh, and like I say, typically in the spring, I like those darker waters. Um, and I like the little flowages and things that have flows, because usually those bodies of water are a little bit farther ahead in the spawning progression. If, if, if we are close to some fish still being in the spawning mode usually those lakes are farther ahead so i'll choose those as opposed to going to a deep clear lake uh where the fish are going to be significantly behind in that progression every year is different though you know this year it looks like we're going to be way ahead of the curve so maybe i will throw on some of those deeper clear lakes but as a general rule um i stick to the, deep, the smaller stuff and the stuff that has some color to it and if i can have some water flowing through it those three things really make for a great recipe for early season I know Brad likes to talk big baits early season. I've seen it in action. What's your size preference up there? Are you looking at big baits, or is that not really an option for you? You know, I don't know that I'm throwing big stuff, but I'm certainly throwing normal size stuff. Uh, we start off with a lot of glide baits, hellhounds, phantoms. Those can be good right off the bat, and then switch baits, so five, seven, maybe some nine-inch stuff. Um, I generally don't throw a lot of real big stuff until we get into mid June ish. 
Um, when I first see that water temperature starting to rise good and we're a few weeks past the spawn, the females here get like to get happy and, and they will certainly eat that larger stuff. Um, not to say that you couldn't have success doing it, but in general, I'm trying to put fish in the boat, not just catch that one big muskie. So I'm usually preferring smaller stuff for that first few weeks of season. You know, one quick question I had about your clientele, you know, as far as bait size, are you are most of the people that are fishing with you, are they experienced muskie anglers? Or are they, I'd say on, more on the new side? Um, honestly, I've been doing it so long now, Jeff. This is my 21st year of taking people fishing, which is kind of insane. So I have a lot of repeat clientele, some of whom have fished with me almost that entire period. So to call those people an experience would, would not be correct. They certainly have experience, but they're older. Um, they generally decide how hard or how big they want to work at it. Um, and I will certainly let them, you know, choose what, what they're comfortable fishing with a lot of days. Um, I can suggest what I think will work, and then we go from there. Um, I do have some new clientele, obviously, um, more so in the summer period, like July and August are usually my slower months. So I have time, uh, to get some new people in the boat. Typically, if you want the, the good times, like early season, June and September, and October, that stuff looks up really, really fast. And a lot of my regulars come back for that every year. So it gets harder and harder each year to have new clientele because of that. So I would say for the most part, 75% pretty experienced and 25% on the newer side of things. That kind of mix can always uh, be interesting, that's for sure. But, you know, the beauty of what you're talking about there, Steve, is, you know, when you start looking in your calendar and you're looking at old clientele that you've had for many years, I mean, you develop friendships is what it really becomes. And you start looking forward to some of those people getting back in the boat with you. Oh, absolutely. You know, now I, I definitely feel like I get paid to hang out with friends a lot of days um, and look forward to seeing them every year. And, um, I'll call them if they're not on the books and make sure they get, get on the books, you know, because I enjoy fishing with them as much as they enjoy fishing with me. So, um, it is cool that way. Obviously you have some days where the fishing's tough or the weather's tough. For the most part, we're always having fun regardless of what's happening. So that's cool for sure. And I've actually got to watch some kids grow up, which is another interesting thing. You know, you watch these kids from 10 and 12 to 20, 25 and having kids of their own. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting just seeing people grow up in life, I guess. Absolutely. I'll guarantee you Steve does not look forward to when I show up. <laughs> no, I do, Jeff. It's always, it's always hard, though, for some reason when you show up. But uh, uh, I love all, all the time fishing with you. That's for sure. Like you say, it's fun fishing with your buddies. So no doubt. Yeah, it, it is always tougher than it should be, I feel. It's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad luck because you've had some pretty good bites, and we've been able to yeah, pull those it's, it's off. Yeah, it's funny, too. And I, you know, I have clients that I've had for years and years, and I have some clients that have literally never not caught a muskie um, over 10, 12, even longer years of, of fishing. And then I have guys where I can't get them a fish four, five, six, eight times, you know. So it's, it's just interesting how that works. And it's not always how good the fisherman is at all. So a lot of times there's a little bit of that luck or the weather or what, whatever's happening. But uh, it's just interesting. Some people are lucky and, and some people aren't. We got this standing joke with your uh, your client Tim, the older yeah. older gentleman. Yeah. I think he's what? How old is he now? Eighty like something. He is eighty one this year, and he's actually coming fishing nine days. I have him on the books this year, so still still going hard. And Tim is definitely one of my lucky guys. He seems to always catch a nice big fish, uh, even when the fishing is tough. Yes, I always joke with Steve, saying whatever whatever days Tim wants, those are the ones that I want to show up on because yeah. that's when they're going to be biting. <laughs> Yeah, invariably, almost always true. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, I enjoy taking him fishing, and I'll keep taking him as long as he's wanting to go. 
it's pretty cool. I've I've watched him fish, you know, probably with me for 15 years or more. So um, he basically does all of his musky fishing here or up on Lake of the Woods, which obviously he hasn't been able to do last year and this year. So right, he's been spending all his time here. And that's another thing. I don't look good for Canada again this year. So I, I have a feeling we'll have that influx of guys that uh, start to change their plans and, and make adjustments to come here. Yeah. Well, one thing we learned last year is if Canada's closed, guys are still going to find a place to go fishing. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. My phone was ringing off the hook midsummer because guys were uh, frantic, you know, trying to change their plans from, you know, typically July and August is a good time to be up there. And last year, obviously, a lot of guys were, were hoping and hoping and hoping and then changing their plans at last minute. So I kind of expected some more thing this year, too. You know, one thing Brad might want to talk about a little bit would be uh, bucktails. Is our bucktails part of your early season uh, bait selection? Yeah, absolutely. Bucktails basically work all season long here, except for the very late fall. I don't know much. I certainly start off with them. Um, again, water temperature dependent. I like blades when my water temperature is over 60. Um, if it's under 60 to start, uh, we don't throw a ton of them. Then it's more of the glide bait, twitch bait thing. Um, but as soon as I'm seeing upper 50s to low 60s, we're certainly mixing in some blades. Yeah, I find, you know, the neat thing about blades, I do quite a bit of open water trolling, as you know, Steve, in the month yeah. of June. And there's certain years that literally 90% of my fish are going to come on a trolling girl over a crankbait. It's it's really crazy. Now, there's other yeah. years where it's the other way, where you're getting 90% on the crankbait and the blades are turned off. So, you know, it, it just depends on ultimately a, a lot of different factors. But I think uh, water temp is part of that equation. But uh, bigger than that, I think uh, some of the things that have changed around here, and I don't know how much you're dealing with this, but the zebra mussels and our water clarity just getting cleaner and cleaner. And, you know, it's yeah. a little bit tougher to get your blades away from the boat when we're trolling. So I think some of that's been part of the equation as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're fortunate. We don't have the mussels, zebra mussels yet. Um, in any of my immediate lakes here, we are getting the milfoil, which honestly here, I think is kind of a good thing on a lot of the lakes, but we don't have the zebra mussels yet. I'm sure we'll get them. And we have so many guys coming from Minnesota the fish here so it's, it's probably just a matter of time but yeah i could see that definitely being a factor in, in triggering fish to bite so steve you know we kind of mentioned here a little bit ago about with the uh, covid regulations in canada and maybe not being open and we dealt with that obviously last year let's talk a little bit deeper about uh how we combat basically pressured bodies of water because it's amazing i mean i know going to the access a few times last year i'm like wow Saturdays and Sundays, I did not book any trips for Saturdays and Sundays purposely because it's just too busy and it gets a little bit frustrating when you go from one spot to the next and you go to that spot, there's somebody on it. You go to the next spot, there's somebody on it. And I basically, I mean, that isn't fun for a clientele. So I, uh, I'm curious what some of your ideas are on combating pressured waters and how you kind of uh, beat that system. Yeah, well, there you know, there's no easy recipe. Obviously, we we kind of all dealt with it, and it, it's interesting. Man. People found everywhere, you know, as far west in Minnesota to northern Wisconsin to you know, all over the place, anywhere they could go fishing. And, and uh, the pressure was up. Uh, I think that'll be the same case this year. Um, it's something I deal with, you know, on a daily basis. Being God, you certainly have to, to deal with it. Here, I like to jump lakes. That's usually, you know, how I start dealing with it. You know, if there's a bunch of people in a particular body of water, a lot of times I can load the boat, drive down the road, hop onto a different lake that has less pressure. Some days that works, some days it doesn't. 
few things that I started to do last year just to kind of get away from people um, and have the lakes to myself a little more was very early mornings, being out there at daylight or a little bit after or even a little before, um, getting a few hours in before anybody's even out fishing. Um, around here, people generally don't get up early to go fishing. Uh, a lot of the guides start at 8, 9 o'clock. So by starting at 5 or 5.30 or 6, you're getting ahead of a lot of people. Um, and also, the fish are kind of rested all night. So uh, the early morning, I think, is a period where the fish have had the most rest, uh, been left alone the longest. So they're a little bit more vulnerable, especially when you have, you know, moon times or appropriate weather where, where the fish will be active. It was a good window for me, and one that one that I fished a lot. Um, the other thing I did was a little bit of night fishing. Uh, again, people don't night fish heavily here until maybe late summer, so spending some time after dark certainly worked. The problem with that was it's very difficult to do night fishing and early morning fishing back to back. It just takes the fun out of it, out of it for everyone. So you kind of got to play your odds that way. Uh, and then the other tactic, which uh, I, I love fishing all of our little bodies of water. We have tons of little lakes that are all awesome fishing. Um, but when you get six, eight, 10, 12 boats on a smaller lake, obviously your options are narrowed down. There's only a certain number of muskies that are going to bite on any given body of water on any given day. So when you're splitting that up between a lot of different boats, uh, your odds go down. Um, so what I did was, was target larger bodies of water. Um, also targeted bodies of water that are traditionally a little bit tougher uh, that people tend to avoid. And just went for bigger fish and fished on larger, larger systems where I had more elbow room, bigger spots, you know, just less, less, uh, direct pressure as far as that goes. And that seemed to work. Um, in fact, a lot of our larger bodies of water here, some of our trophy lakes are really coming back. We did a bunch of pulse stocking on some of those bodies of, of water and uh, those lakes are starting to pop. So it was kind of a good thing. Put me back on some good water uh, that I hadn't been fishing for a while. So Steve, when you're, when you do, you know, fishing early morning, you're fishing late at night, are you, you know, what kind of baits are you using? Are you a, are you a bulldog type of a guy yet? Or are you pretty much going with things that are making more noise, more top water type action? What's, you know, for people that are looking to get out in the early morning, what should their bait selection look like? You know, I, I do love top water and blades in the early morning. Something with some vibration is usually a really good idea. We'll generally try it all to start. Um, depending on what the bite has been days previous, you know me, I'm typically going off, you know, what was working yesterday or all week. Um, and that certainly can change throughout the course of the day, but typical scenario on my boat early and late in the day, fishing with moving baits, covering water, uh, the fish are more active generally. Um, so I'm liking bucktails because of the hooking percentages. They're easy to fish. You can fish them quickly. Um, I do like top water at times. It can be very good, uh, especially in some of the thicker weeded uh, areas of our of our uh, lakes here. And then in the middle of the day, or if the bite is tough, then I go to reaction style lures. You know, your glide baits, uh, your rubber, um, things that start and stop. Um, those seem to draw those reaction strikes. Um, so anytime when I feel like the fish are neutral or not biting well, I'm typically going with those kinds of things. When I feel like the fish are going to be active or we're at prime time of the day. I'm fishing with the blades and something that I can keep moving quicker. So when you start to talk about early in the day, I mean, what time are we talking? Are we talking before the sun's even up or what yeah, are we? You know, I was meeting at daylight a lot, five ish, you know, all depends on the clients too. Not everybody's game for, uh, <laughs> for the early mornings. Um, but we need to explain to people the situation. A lot of people do enjoy that. So, you know, five, five thirty six, depending on who I have and uh, what the weather looks like. Um, I'm not 
crazy and getting out there two hours before daylight or anything like that. Um, it is still supposed to be fun on some level. Um, but I'm an early riser and, uh, you can usually talk people into getting going early and it's amazing how, how early it gets light in the summertime. I mean, four thirty-five o'clock it's getting light. So you can get ahead of people by getting up early. That's for sure. Absolutely. I was just curious, you know, I, I'm trying to remember, I think maybe, maybe Jeff can help us out here, but I'm pretty sure we had a guest on that was talking about getting out there an hour or two before sunlight. So they're kind of hitting a different window that uh, isn't typical right. for most anglers, that's for sure. Hanson. Yeah. It was Jeff Hanson talking about doing that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that guy is insanely early in the morning. That's partly due to his family schedule, but obviously it works for him down there too. You know, he's fishing in a body of water where there is a tremendous amount of pressure and, and still catching tons of fish. It's amazing what he does there. He definitely, he's kind of become the king of that whole area for many years now. Yeah, and you know he he finds ways to get around it and, and still catch fish and you know that's, that's, there's always a way you know you just gotta sometimes mold your mold your day to to make it work. Obviously, everybody wants to fish at the prime time, so you know sometimes getting out there a little bit before people will get you out of the game. You know, Steve, you've been getting a little bit older. I know that uh, we all have, but <laughs> um, in past years or seasons, I've seen you. Uh, you know, have to hit up the ibuprofen maybe a little bit harder, and I keep telling you, you need to uh, do a little bit more trolling because I know you're you're a diehard caster. Is the trolling thing something that you're going to consider, uh, you know, implementing a little bit more this season, or are you pretty much just going to keep casting until your arms fall off? No, you know me. I, I have been molding my approach. In fact, we've been doing more trolling, I'd say, over the last three to five years than, than years prior. We, we now have trolling regulations. Uh, we're trolling is legal on all our lakes. Uh, that wasn't uh, the case, I think, five years ago or something like that. Um, so it comes into play a lot more often. Um, I also have some older clientele, such as my 81-year-old guy and, and several others. So mixing in a little trolling through the course of the day is actually working out pretty well. We're catching some nice fish and giving guys a break. I don't like to do it for eight hours at a crack. Um, I do like to still mix in some casting. Obviously, if the trolling bite's super hot, we'll, we'll spend more time doing that, but we usually do still mix in some casting every day. I would say as I get older, yeah, we're going to mix in a little more, a little more, a little more. Certainly an effective way to fish. And here, it kind of gets you away from the pressure, too, because trolling isn't hugely popular. Um, there's a few guys that are doing it now, but in general, it's casters around here. So just by switching your tactics from casting to trolling on any given day, um, you can slide out and fish for fish that aren't being pressured nearly as much. So that's something that uh, certainly plays in my brain when I'm when I'm deciding to do that. And uh, there's times where we just want to cover water, open water. Um, I don't do a lot of that early season June stuff like Brad and those guys over in Minnesota do. Um, it, I'm sure it would work here. Um, I just haven't put a lot of time, invested a ton of time into that. Uh, maybe as years go by, we'll do more of it, but. I certainly do a lot more trolling as the summer progresses and into the early fall. Is it something that you're doing more structure trolling then at that point, Steve? Um, you know, I, I do a combination of both. Uh, a lot of our smaller lakes are limited to one line per man. So I'll throw out two or three lines just off the boat and we'll run weed edges, uh, working very well. Um, and actually bumping into the weeds and making contact can, can be the trigger of doing that. Um, it's a little bit of a pain to do. You're spending some time cleaning base, but, um, it does work. 
Um, but I did, I definitely do some open water stuff too, or, you know, basically just off structure when I'm seeing, um, a lot of life on my graph as I'm running brake lines casting and there's stuff under the boat or behind the boat. Um, then I know it's time to at least spend some time doing some trolling passes around that stuff. And then I'll put out a bigger spread where we'll put six lines out, a couple of player boards each side and, and a couple of big baits off the back. Um, recent years we've been running those, those big, you know, the mat locks and headlocks and the big stuff. And, uh, um, that is the one time where I do prefer a larger profile lure, I think, is when I'm trolling. Uh, I generally lean on the running some larger stuff when I'm trolling. Are you mixing in uh, boards, or are you just doing down rods? It depends on the lake, obviously. If it's a one-line lake, I usually put two down rods and one on a board. But if it's a multi-line lake, um, I'll put out four boards and run a couple off the back of the boat. Um, I have no, no problem running playing the boards, and I actually like doing that. So it kind of depends on the situation and the lake that I'm fishing. Absolutely. All right. So Steve, one thing we have guys ask us about one time is just like uh, real life guide stories or fishing stories, you know? Yeah. We like to try to give you some information, but as a guide, you have to have seen it all or, or been through it all. I mean, 21 seasons on the water isn't, uh, that's nothing to shake a stick at. You gotta, you have to have seen some crazy stuff. Why don't you give us some, something? Yeah, you bet. I have. I've seen a lot of things over the years. When when you're musky fishing, uh, that's kind of the fun part about it. Musky fishing is a pretty visual sport in that you get to see the fish, you know, bite a lot. They chase around at the boat. You get to see them do things. I've seen a few ducks be eaten over the years. Uh, one full-grown hen mallard got walloped, gone, definitely gone. A um, couple other get eaten. Um, one day, uh, real early in my career, Probably, you know, almost 20 years ago now, or 15, fishing with good buddy Scott Keeper back, uh, also a guide here in Hayward. Uh, back when we had time to fish with people other than our clients, uh, we were out in the fall running suckers one day on a, one of our favorite big fish lakes. Uh, we had been doing very well on big fish, actually, for about a week there. And uh, we were running a sucker along the brake line, and it goes tearing off. Um, Scott was up on the rod, so I set him back there. Um, he grabbed the rod, set the hook. Beautiful fish comes up fighting, we figure, mid, nice mid-40s. And uh, as we're watching that fish roll and fight around the boat uh, too far out to be netted, all of a sudden they see another muskie come flying up and start chasing the one that he's fighting. Um, literally just like smallmouth bass, you'll see sometimes where, where they chase each other trying to steal food out of their mouth. It was literally trying to steal the sucker that it thought it still had. Um, and every time the fish would make a hard turn, he'd see the other fish come flying up. Um, so we were like, wow, look at that. That's pretty cool. Well, Scott was finally getting the fish under control and getting up to where it was time to net. It was a big one. It ended up being a 45-incher. Um, so I go down, got the old big kahuna, you know, and give her a big scoop and get the, the 45 in. And I'm lifting the rim, and I'm basically about to break the surface. And out of nowhere comes a 42-incher. And uh, it actually powered itself directly right into my net and actually got hung on the rim and had to really kick its tail to get into the bag. And that 42 chased that 45 right into my net. Uh, so obviously the fish hadn't been fought, was green. Uh, we had a 45 and a 42, and then at the same time, it looked like we had the world record. It literally looked like a bomb went off in there. Uh, fish were going everywhere. So that was one of the coolest things I've seen. It was pretty interesting. I, I don't know that I'll see that one again, but. Um, I did have a musky chase a musky right into my net. <laughs> That's awesome stuff. I, I yeah. had fish do that with regular baits, actually, where I've seen a fish kind of like 
square up against the one that you're fighting right underneath the surface. I mean, it's pretty wild yeah. when things are going. I mean, it, it's typical of that musky window that we're all waiting for every day, right? Right. Yeah, no, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Like you say, the fish had to power itself to get into the net. And, um, I have now, subsequently since then, have done that twice with walleyes, believe it or not. Um, where I've had a, a client fighting a fish in, and it's usually early season when we're still around that spawning time and, uh, have a fish coming in and I've had two different scenarios where a walleye chased a walleye into my net. So you just never know what you're going to see. Um, I also had a client get pulled, uh, directly out of the boat by a muskie, which was kind of an interesting situation, uh, on a live bait fish in the early season. And, you know, as Jeff knows, I run live bait anytime I can have it in the water. And uh, we were fishing real shallow that day with clients I've had many times. And uh, we're casting along. I think we had caught a couple or two or three fish already that day and having a good day. Uh, it was real windy, though. And we're going through a shallow bay, and all of a sudden, um, I had a pike on the rig, actually. And I'm watching the pike, and I'm steering through the cabbage, and I lifted over a clump of cabbage, and a nice fish comes flying up and just T-bones it. Goes tearing off. And it's going away from the boat. So I, I get the guy's stuff in, uh, get the boat turned around, hand the, the rod to the guy who's going to set the hook on the fish. Um, the fish has gone quite a ways upwind, so I kind of chase it down a little bit. And uh, just getting caught up to it, and I'm about to tell him to set the hook, and the fish did a 180 and went directly underneath the boat right between his legs at full bore. So I just told the guy to close the bale, hold on, and just go tight. You know, we, we couldn't spin the boat around fast enough to do anything, so... He closes her down, goes tight, and uh, the fish is going so fast, it just popped him up, and he got up on the gunnel, and the next thing you know, he, he literally flipped right over into the lake. Uh, rod and everything gone. In fact, he was gone under the water. Couldn't believe it. So we're laughing our ass off, actually. Uh, he comes boiling up, and luckily still has the rod in his hand. So I'm, I'm like, oh my God, thank God, at least he didn't lose that. Uh, hands the rod to his buddy. I walk him around to the back of the boat, get him up into the boat. Everything okay? You okay? Yeah. Now we're really laughing because obviously it's quite a situation. His buddy's still standing up there holding the rod. He's like, guys, I think the fish might still be on there. And through the course of all this, I'm like, no way. You know, I didn't even consider the fish still being hooked. Um, go up there. It was actually wrapped around the trolling motor. I get the line unwrapped around the trolling motor, hand it back to the guy who fell on the lake, and he reeled in a 42-incher. Um, so it was a pretty cool deal. Uh, the only time I've ever had a client get pulled out of the boat by a muskie. That's the situation I always envision with Alexis whenever she's in there. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to get that 40-incher that just whips her right out of the boat. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Not a small guy, you know, probably a 200-pound six foot guy you know and uh just hit him just right and he wasn't letting go of the rod and it, it flipped him right in it was it was pretty good all good we didn't lose the rod and we caught the fish so it ended up being a good story all, all in all wow that's some wild stuff you know it's just it's always amazing listening to guide stories that's for sure well you know it is with guides they see a lot of stuff i mean they're on the water all the time crazy stuff's bound to happen absolutely I'm sure we could probably talk for hours with Steve on different, different yeah. stories. Yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you end up forgetting half of the stuff. You know what I mean? It, it's, I don't know. Being a guide, it's a weird deal because your brain is continually working, looking for that next solution on how to catch, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's too. It's mentally exhausting. Actually a great point. You know, 
when I get to the end of the season, I am burnt, as Jeff knows. Uh, when you're in a boat, you're in a boat, making sure two or three people are doing the right thing, uh, watching all your graphs, uh, making sure you're in the right area, trying to think ahead of what to do next, where to go next, how to catch them next. Um, when you do that every day for a couple hundred days, um, it, it is exhausting. Um, it, it, it's a challenge. There's no doubt. And that's probably the hardest part, you know, when you get successful is having to be out there doing it all day, every day. It's still awesome. Enjoy it. Um, love the challenge. Love putting the puzzle together every day. But uh, it certainly does take a toll on you um, that way, mentally, more so than people would ever realize. Well, it also takes a toll on you physically. I know, like, I mean, there's times I talk to you, Steve, and everyone thinks being the guides is the greatest thing in the world until they got to be out there in October where it's, you know, 32 degrees. Your clients don't have the right the right uh, gear to even yeah. be out there. It's, right. you know, raining or snowing and super windy. I mean, everyone thinks of all the good times that you guys get to have. They don't think about that time. I know, like, October, I think I feel bad for your wife, Carrie, because she's going to put up with you in October, and if the weather's bad, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun time. I do get a little grumpy, you know, we're still having a good time, but, uh, um, it definitely, you know, under those conditions can, can be challenging. And that's the hard part. You know, there's, man, there's a million, uh, you know, new guides and stuff. You know, that's another thing that's going on. Everybody wants to be a guide because there's been a lot of fishing work and that's all fine and good. But, uh, in this world of instant guides and instant pros and instant YouTube stars, uh, there's a lot of hard work that has to be done and I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not all fun and games it's a job and to do it properly it's not about you catching fish it's about having people have fun with you um, all day every day uh, under every condition and, and that is a challenge so um, that's my advice I guess to all the new guys is it ain't always about the fishing a lot of times it's, it's much more than that uh, once you realize that you'll be a lot more successful I, I would concur with that 100%, Steve. You you hit it on the head. It's not about the guide. It's about your clientele. I think it gets forgotten at times, that's for sure. But uh, and, that, and that goes to show. You said it earlier. You got a ton of repeat clients. Guess why? Because you make yeah. it about them, and, and it's their day. And uh, let them have the glory for the day, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and that's it. You know, some days you're, you're choosing lakes or things that, you know, maybe you personally wouldn't want to go do because you want to go catch just a big fish or, or whatever it may be. Um, but a lot of times I adjust my day or make my choices on where I'm going to fish or what I'm going to do, depending on who I have in the boat that day and, and what their idea of having a good time is. And, and that's different for everybody. And you got to kind of learn that. The cool thing about fishing with people year in and year out is, is you do learn that. And uh, for me, it's a lot of fun because generally I just show them a lot of variety. Um, but everybody's a little bit different in what they want out of a day of fishing. And you got to figure that out and read that um, before you get out of fishing. That's for sure. Well, I've always said it, it takes a uh, special person to be in, in the industry, the musky industry, or in, even in the fishing industry for as long as, you know, both of you have doing your respective things. I mean, Brad's making baits and guiding and you're doing the guiding thing to be in there for 20 years. It's, it's not easy. No, it is cool. You know, obviously I would, at this point, there's not much else I can do. It's what I know it's, it's what I will do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a challenge to, to some extent, still a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world, that's for sure. But it ain't for everyone, as you know, Jeff. Oh, yeah. It's not for me. I, I like fishing. I, lo <laughs> I love it, but there's no way I, I can know, be a guy. We have this talk all the time. It's like, I could never do what you do. Yeah. Well, I it, think you say the might... same thing about me, too. 
Yeah, it's very true. You know, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do what you do. So it, it's awesome that we can do our respective things, and that's the, the way the world works. Yep. So, Steve, before we let you, you know, let you off the hook today and go about your business, you got uh, one tip that you can offer people to help put more fish in the net for the early season. Ah, uh, boy, probably the biggest tip is look for warm water. Um, I'm always looking for the warmest water on any given body of water, no matter where you choose to fish. Uh, try to find those warmer areas, uh, back to bays, uh, anywhere the, where it's a little bit warmer uh, is usually a good idea. Let uh, let the fish tell you what to do. I'm usually a little more erratic in the spring, but uh, if we have warmer temperatures, those bucktails and stuff will be good right off the bat. Um, if you're having trouble, I always throw some gliders and a few twitchers uh, the first few weeks of season. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and talking to us for a you know, more brief conversation this week, but that's fine. It's uh, we all got things to do this week, and I appreciate that. So I'll uh, I'll see you again. I I know I, I'd have to check my schedule. I know we're coming up to do some filming with you at some point. I think I'm actually coming up to just hang out with you in a couple of weeks too. I think we're getting yep. a hotel up there by you. But you know, Steve, once again, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I appreciate all your contributions to uh, to my business, and uh, hopefully, you have a great season. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate uh, having me on. I appreciate it, guys, and have a great day. Take care, Steve. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. We'll talk later, boys.